Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. So I was uh, younger than Avery, maybe eight, nine years old, and we'd gone fishing at Butler's Pond in Labette County, Kansas. It was a big pond. And while I was sitting there bringing in my crankbait, I heard a voice. Son, can you hear me? There was no one standing next to me. I looked up and I looked around and my dad was there, but he was on the far side of the pond. Then I heard the voice again. You can hear me, can't you? It was my dad just talking in this normal tone and I could hear him all the way across the pond. I said, how are you doing this? He says, just something about the way the sound travels over the top of water. Well, now I've looked it up and, uh, you know, water is flat like a mirror. So there's a a little bouncing going on. But more importantly, when the conditions are right, the layer of air just above water is cooler for several feet. And so when a voice goes out over the water, the, the, the higher part of the voice moves at a different speed than the lower part. The sound waves can stack up and amplify. That's why sometimes you can hear the whole conversation someone's having out on a boat, out on the lake away from the shore. This is what Jesus was doing when he went out in a boat to tell the story that Anna just read to us. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. There are some coves in that lake where thousands of people could have gathered. And as long as he was in the boat, his voice would be amplified and could travel out and they could hear him. Just like I could hear my dad. What's uh, more disturbing about this passage is what Jesus says after he gets out of the boat and is back on the shore. When he's back with his disciples and their group, he says... Maybe some of the most disturbing words in the Gospel of Mark. Verse 10. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant. He replied, you're permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so the scripture might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, They will not understand. Otherwise, they'll turn to me and be forgiven. That's kind of creepy. That kind of sounds like Jesus wants the news of God's kingdom to be a secret. It kind of sounds like he uses a coded parable so only people in his inner circle will understand when he explains it to them. The last part even sounds like he wants to keep it from them so that they can't be forgiven. That's weird. But if Jesus didn't want everyone to hear, then why did he push out into a boat so that everyone could hear? When you've got things like this in the Bible that don't add together right, especially when an Old Testament quote is involved, the best thing to always do is go back to the original Old Testament quote. Find out what it means there, because more than likely, they're trying to bring that meaning to their time. Well, Jesus here is quoting Isaiah chapter 6. This is written five, eight hundred years before Jesus. 
Here's what Isaiah chapter 6 said. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to this people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden, your, harden the hearts of these people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way will, they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. That's still pretty shocking. But let me tell you, this is a prophet talking. This is not a prescription. This is a prediction. This is a prediction of how this is going to go. God is going to try. He's going to send his prophet. He's going to send a messenger to give them what they need to be saved from what's about to happen to them. But God's saying up front, it's not going to make any difference. Have you ever done this? You've apologized to someone or you've given someone a piece of advice because it was the right thing to do. But you know in your heart, it's not going to make any difference. It's what God's doing. In fact, this phrasing of this prediction is shocking. It's ironic. Might even be reverse psychology. It might even dare them to listen to the word of God. If I started off a sermon saying, I'm going to preach a truth today, but you're not going to hear it. I'm going to give you some spiritual wisdom today, but you're not going to follow it. Doesn't that just kind of make you go, what? What are you going to say? One thing you can say about the prophet Isaiah, this prediction was true. Just as Pastor Dan showed us in uh, message three of his Bible through Maps series, after the preaching of Isaiah, they didn't change how they treated one another and how they ran the nation. And Babylon did come and destroy Israel and take them away into exile. So it happened. This passage gets quoted a lot in the New Testament, actually. When I opened here to Isaiah chapter 6, there was already scribbles in my Bible, which means we've been here before. Maybe it was, uh, well, this is Mark chapter 4. Maybe it was when we did John chapter 12, because he quotes this passage from Isaiah. Uh, I don't think we've made it in the book of Acts to chapter 28, but when we do, Luke will quote this passage. Maybe it was uh, Romans chapter 11, where Paul quoted this passage. This passage is all over the New Testament. And every time it's an answer to this one question, why aren't more people hearing the word of God? Do you ever ask that? Why are more people hearing the word of God? I mean, the message of Jesus is that it turns out God is not an angry lightning bolt hurling judge ready to fry us. Turns out God wants to come and live among us in Christ Jesus, give to us his Holy Spirit so that we can be free and forgiven of our sins and live a new life. And he's offering this message to every tribe, every nation, every language, every race, color, creed, gender, social class. He's offering it to all. That's good news. Why aren't more people hearing that? That's what they were always asking. And Isaiah says, you're just not in control of that. You're just not in control of who hears it and what they do with it. It's tempting sometimes to think, right? If we could just, if I could just come up with a better way to explain who Jesus is and what he's done, if I could just have a cooler illustration, then, then my family, my coworkers, my friends, they would, they would receive Jesus too. But Isaiah 
says that's not necessarily true. If we could just get a better preacher with cooler props, more people, good luck, but more people would hear the word of God, right? Isaiah says, not necessarily. God's sending the best prophet he's got, Isaiah. And, and then he sends his own son, Jesus. Now, who's going to do better than that? Still, not everyone hears. But you know what you can control? You know what you can control? Am I hearing the word of God? Is my heart prepared to hear the word of God? And that, to help us with that, is the parable of the soil. So it starts out, verse 14. A farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. So let's remember that. That what the seed throwing means in Mark is taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So here we have a footpath. There's some seed laying on it. It's never going to grow uh, because this soil is just too hard. It's not going to take root. And here are some birds, which in the parable represent Satan, who comes and eats it up because it's just laying there exposed. First question in the morning then, at this church, do we still believe in Satan and things like that? When it comes to the devil and demons and Satan and things like that, I take a why not approach. In the vastness of this universe, can you imagine that there might be other intelligent beings besides humans. I think most people can imagine that. It's a pretty big universe. Might some of those beings be different from us in big ways? Might they be more energy than matter? Might they be more spiritual than physical? Why not? And might these beings have their own relationship with God? And like us, some of them are pretty good. Some of them, not so good. From there, it's just a small step to, might we have interactions with these beings? Sometimes we're aware of it. Sometimes because they're so different from us, we're not aware of it. Now, I'll stop short of saying, that these beings could make you do something against your will that's evil, and then therefore you could say, the devil made me do it. But could they make suggestions? Could they engineer tempting circumstances? Might they like you to be as bad off as they are? Why not? So what you have to ask with this hard soil is, do I in my heart have footpath soil. For instance, do I have a fear or a bias that keeps me from hearing the word of God before it even gets started? Like I'm holding a Bible. Are you like, oh, I know some stuff in the Bible that I don't like, so I'm not going to hear any of this. Probably not. He wouldn't be here, right? Or you wouldn't have tuned in. But that, that is hard soil thinking. That's hard soil thinking. Do you have, if you talk about these birds, do you have what seems to come from the outside obstacles and distractions every time you try to get into the word of God. Something else just seems to pop up in your life which pulls you off in another direction. That's hard path soil thinking. Do you have a hatred? 
Do you avoid your small group? Do you avoid the church, wherever it is you might hear the word of God? Because you might encounter someone there that you don't like very much. Or maybe you might see someone up here you don't like very much. Maybe it's this guy. That's hard path. What can you do about the footpath? James chapter 4 says, Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and he'll come close to you. So when you feel the movements of evil or whether they're from outside or inside or both swirling together that are keeping the word of God away from you, literally just resist it. It's not as strong as it would like you to believe. Literally pray to God in that moment, Lord, help remove my fear that this book is going to harm me just long enough for me to hear what it has to say. Lord, help me to be open-minded, although I confess I'm kind of scared of this thing. Lord, help me renounce that bias where I've already decided who you are before I've actually even met you. Lord, Help me plow through these distractions and obstacles that always draw me off this faith journey. Not this time, Lord. Help me to stay on the path. Or maybe in this case, off the path. Lord, help me to give up that hate. That hate that has nothing to do with you. It's another person. It's another group of people. I don't want that to be between us. I had to quit watching conspiracy theory documentaries. Netflix back in 2012, they had a string of these things. I watched them all, okay? Big ag, big oil, big pharma, all the bigs, they're coming to get us. And it just made me angry and cynical and grumpy and paranoid. And I'm not saying there weren't, there weren't some truthful things in there. I'm just saying that it just mashed down the soil of my heart. So anything God wanted to sprinkle over there about love or he's in control or trust in him just kind of got paranoid out of me. If you were here in 2012, I apologize. Sometimes it leaked into my sermons. Cranky, cranky guy. I had to quit for the soil of my own heart. What is it for you? What is it for you that makes your soil packed hard that you probably just need to step off that path? Maybe you're a different soil. Verse 16. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So here we have some really rocky soil. And here's a plant. It, it, it grew well at one point, but now it's all dried up. It probably grew well when there was lots of water, but as soon as it hit a dry spell, the roots just weren't deep enough. The soil's too rocky, so it withers up. Even Jesus knew in the first century, when you hit a dry spell as a plant, you have two choices, wither up and die or let your roots go deeper. Find where the water is. But you can't do that in rocky soil. So do you have rocky soil? Well, did you receive the word of God quickly and joyfully and grow? But then there was a tragedy, then there was a rejection, and you just chucked it all. That's rocky soil. 
Or it also says it could be persecution. So do you have to keep the fact that you're a Christian almost a secret from friends because you're afraid you would lose those friends because they don't like that sort of thing? That's rocky soil. Do you have to keep uh, knowledge that you're a Christian away from your workplace because in your career, faith and belief is a barrier to advancement? That's rocky soil. Let me ask you this. If things started going really bad for you this year with your family or one of your loved ones or yourself, would you quit coming to church and quit delving into the word of God to punish God for not taking care of you? That's rocky soil. What can you do about rocky soil? Paul in Romans chapter 5 says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know they help us develop endurance. That's a hard word. Rejoice when you fall into trials. But I'm going to tell you a truth right now. And you'll, you'll know it's true as soon as I've said it. You've never met a strong person who didn't have hard times. You've never met a strong person who didn't have hard times. Last eight years, I've had a few hard times. Last four, especially. Some of the stuff that's come my way, I wouldn't wish on an enemy. I wouldn't wish on a dog. I wouldn't even wish it on a house cat. Uh, Health problems. uh, Financial problems. Family troubles. Some Ashley and I have shared. Some we have not. If I had my life to do over again, I'd probably politely fast forward to this part. But let me tell you, before I had a brain tumor, I basically, somewhere back here, thought, if you exercise, if you eat right, if you do what you're supposed to do, don't, treat, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, turns out okay. So if one of you came in here sick, I would pray for you. I'd be there for you. But somewhere back here, I'd be thinking, hmm, just didn't take very good care of themselves. Well, who'd want that guy for a pastor? Well, he's cured. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't think that way anymore. I know. Sometimes you can do it all right and you still get the diagnosis you didn't want. I pray for you very differently now. Family troubles? I think my attitude probably, hopefully, wishfully, magically, I mean the bad kind of magic, was uh, if you value the right things, you say your prayers at home, you do your highs and lows around the table and do Advent like we tell you, everything turns out okay. Well, I know that's not true. Sometimes you walk with God and do the very best you can and bad stuff happens. I've felt people looking at me like, oh, that happened? I thought it was a Christian family. I used to be that guy who looked at people like that. Doggone it. No more. No more. So these trials that I dislike so much have made me a better pastor. They brought out love. And that's what your trial can do also. If instead of withering up and dying, you say, Lord, take my root deeper. 
to wherever the real water is. Maybe you're not that soil. Maybe you are verse 18. The seed that fell among thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. So there's a plant growing in here, but I'm scared to even reach for it because there's a lot of like real thorns around this thing. And eventually they're going to choke it out. They'll block out the sun or use up all the nutrients or something. That, that plant's not going to do well if somebody doesn't go in there with some gloves and prune out those thorns. So do you have thorny soil? I think all of us have thorny soil like several times a year. The thorns, the weeding, it's a never-ending deal, right? So have you ever had that moment when you had to skip small, well, you thought you had to. You, you skipped small group, you skipped worship service, you skipped your own devotion, wherever it is you get the word of God, you skipped that because you needed to take care of some stuff. You know, you weren't quite done buying, weren't quite done shoveling, weren't quite done painting, weren't quite done cleaning up the mess after building. You just weren't quite done taking care of things. That's thorny soil. It happens to all of us. Did you ever miss so much in the pursuit of usually a paycheck that you, you, you ended up making that deal with God? Like, God, I know I haven't been around a lot, working a lot of Sundays or missing a lot of groups, missing a lot of quiet time, but I am going to give you the best offering when this commission comes in. You know, trying to, as if God wanted the money, that's what he was after. We all make those kind of deals when we're not thinking about it. It's not hard to get caught in the thorns. Jesus spent most of his ministry talking about digging out the thorns more than any of these other soils. Matthew chapter 6, he says, So don't worry about things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Matthew 16, If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Teach your kids that before they fly the nest. Paul writes to his protege Timothy, After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and, and clothing, let us be content. We could do this all day. We could read these verses all day long. There are so many of them. And that's what you do with thorny soil. You stay in community. You stay in the word of God. And so that you hear these things and you constantly re-ask the question, what am I about? What am I not about? What's going to own me and what do I own and what do I own that actually owns me? You've got to stay in community in your church, in your Bible study, in your quiet time, in your breakfast group, where the, especially with people who ask these sorts of questions. There's, there's often a kind of groups in church, those who constantly excuse all the thorns, and then those who struggle with the thorns. Hang out with the ones who struggle with the thorns, who are always asking, is this what I want to be about? You'll also need them when you get too uptight. This is what I do. I get so uptight that, you know, I start wondering if my family should ever go on vacation because, you know, we've got to be dedicated to the work. And then I need some other people around the table, you know, better Christians than I am, to say, uh, look, lighten up. 
He's not the God of everything being a drag. You can go on a vacation and have fun. He's the God of joy. It was all supposed to be about joy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you'll need both messages. You'll need both messages. And then there's this last soil, verse 20. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. So here's our good soil. Good root system, dark soil, tree, and we're getting fruit. Now remember what the seeds were. That was people who are hearing the word of God. And Isaiah said, you throw that seed, you can't control where it's going to land. Might land here, might land here, might land here, might land here. And when it lands here, it produces a harvest 30, 60, 100 times as many people here. Because this person heard. The great thing is, God says, just share the good news of what I've done. You don't have to look into other people's soil and go, oh, I think they're kind of a path and and I think they might be rocky. You don't have to do that. You just get to fling it. Just like Jesus did. He just pushed out into a lake and told everyone. Some of them were this person. So this week, when you're in conversations with people at work, your family, friends, share the seeds. People all worked up about the election. Just tell the truth. You know what comforts me is the knowledge that God is still in control. You don't have to be obnoxious or long-winded. Please don't be obnoxious or long-winded. If you can't help yourself and you're obnoxious, just let them know what Lutheran or Catholic church that you go to. I, I picked those two at random and I picked two different ones in first service. All right, don't be, don't be obnoxious. Don't be long-winded. Just tell your truth. You can tell your truth. People talking about marriage and family say, you know, what's helped me the most is just what Jesus teaches. Focus more on how much you give than how much you receive. That's, that's your truth. That's not hurting anybody. It might fall on a hard path or a rocky soil, but it might land here. Someone who's ready to hear. Just like you were once ready to hear. And that's where the miracles start. We know this from surveys we do. We have scientifically proven. Someone like me invites two, three, on a good year, four people to church. I've just about run out of people I haven't invited to death. But you know who invites the most new people to church? Other new people. Someone who's only been going to church a month usually invites five or six people a week. That's how the harvest works. The great thing is, God says, just be like me. Just share it. Let's pray. Father, we pray this week. You give us the the courage, the wisdom, the joy to just do a very human thing. Tell how good you are. And of course, Lord, we pray for good soil and good harvest to receive that word. Our world needs it now. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.